y'all have finally spoke this into existence. You be on Twitter. I can't believe this app is free. Oh my God, it's so great. I can't believe it's free. Well, it's no longer free in certain circumstances. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Hey, this is Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And you're listening and or watching the Snobble, the Snobble West Show, the show for Apple Snobs, where we talk all things Apple and then some. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Snobble West Show. We're kicking off episode 149 with The Lowdown, where we talk all all things Apple. Starting us off this week in the lowdown, it looks like we are at the pinnacle of the Apple versus Epic saga. So um, back when the original case was um, the, the, the verdict or whatever you call it, it wasn't a criminal case, of course, was uh, handed down. There were 10 counts that uh, Epic had brought up against Apple. Apple won nine out of those 10 counts. But the one count that they did lose is a big one. It is um, it is for Apple to provide in the App Store. Um, ex- it, 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 it's to allow um, developers to add links and buttons for external payment options before Mm -hmm. it was only Apple based, um, payments that were allowed, nothing external, nothing outside of the Apple ecosystem. So the ruling, um, from judge Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers said that Apple must comply with her order to allow um, these additional links and buttons for external payments. And this has to be done by December 9th. So only in a few weeks. So what has happened is Apple is saying that integrating this into their ecosystem is going to take months to analyze, to figure out how it's going to work. It's going to take years to implement because it's so complex. And the judge is like, nah, You didn't do this appeal based on time. You did this appeal based on the fact that it wasn't valid. Um, And she was like, you didn't say anything about time. Mm -hmm. So I am, I am not going to, to hear that. And you're going to have to comply um, with my orders by December 9th. But Apple has said they will appeal to the ninth circuit for a stay of the order because that's their only option at this point other than actually doing the implementation. So barring any other type of of stay from a higher court, Apple is going to have to allow um, for developers to add these additional additional, uh, third-party payments. How do you think this is going to, to pan out? Uh, Apple's going to lose this one. Um, they better be, not better be lucky, but if this is all 
that Apple has to bear as far as responsibility as a result of this Epic Games thing, they need to consider themselves blessed. Now, of course, you know, Apple is trying to say, oh, it's going to take a long time to implement. And they're, you know, still trying to decry that, oh, it's going to compromise the integrity and the security of Apple payments, yada, yada, yada. Um, that's just going to be something they're going to have to eat. Because again, if all they have to do as a result of this ruling is figure out how to include PayPal or how to include Square or how to include uh, Stripe or how to include any other third party payment into the App Store, like I say, consider themselves blessed. Yeah, I think considering the 10 counts that they were up against for them to win all of them except this one, um, I think, like you said, they got off lucky. I think because Apple is petty, I think they are only going to maybe make the links or buttons like a certain size. Mm -hmm, they have to be mm -hmm. hidden in the quarter. So I don't think there's any uh, stipulations as to how these links or buttons are supposed to go into the app. Um, but I think Apple is going to be petty and, you know, say, <laughs> the buttons can only be one pixel <laughs> by one pixel or something like absurd to make it difficult for people to to use these uh, external links. So yeah, similar, be... yeah, I was say similar to how hard it is to unsubscribe in a newsletter mm -hmm. email. That's how small these <laughs> third party payment links are going to be in the Apple yeah. App Store. Look, I mean, I'm all for it. I would do it, too. But again, mm -hmm. be lucky. They'd be blessed that that's all they got to figure out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, it will be interesting to see if the uh, Ninth Circuit is going to provide them with the stay um, now that um, the judge said, well, you didn't ask for this stay based on the complexity of implementation. So they will likely use that as their um, excuse this time. And I think in the article that I read, um, I think this came from uh, Colton Mack, um, that uh, they mentioned it would take months for them to analyze it and then it would take another three, four, five years for them to implement it. So we'll see, uh, you know, I'm sure this is going to be something uh, that we hear about again in the near future, especially as December 9th rolls up, if they will get their stay. And if they don't get their stay, how petty they're going to be in the actual implementation. All right, next up, Tim Cook says that Apple is quote unquote looking at cryptocurrency after he reveals that he is an investor. So Tim Cook is the CEO. So if he is bought into the cryptocurrency lane, it makes perfect sense that he would say, you know what, this is cool. This is cutting edge. We need to take a look at this. But what this looking at means um, that it's not likely um, <laughs> that uh, that you will be able to um, buy Apple products or that Apple would incorporate, uh, Apple Pay wouldn't incorporate cryptocurrency. And if they did, there's no immediate plans to adopt, you know, uh, cryptocurrency. I think to me, what this reads as if you know, Tim Cook is kind of dropping, sprinkling a little breadcrumbs, trying to, you know, introduce some ideas and some thoughts into the the heads of, you know, 
other uh, Apple executives or board of directors or Apple enthusiasts or people who buy Apple products that this may be a slow introduction into the cryptocurrency lane because, as I said, uh, Apple doesn't have any immediate plans to adopt cryptocurrency and Apple doesn't offer any type of cryptocurrency token of its own. So, uh, and, and Tim was, you know, very clear to say that he is an investor in cryptocurrency, but Apple, the company, is not a direct investor in cryptocurrency. So I think he's dropping some breadcrumbs to try and maybe get people's minds thinking in that that right direction. Well, I Any think thoughts? The, well, I think the exact opposite. Apple ain't getting into no crypto. Well, let me not say that. So <laughs> I don't understand why it's so hard for people, companies, corporations to say no. It's OK to say no. No is a complete sentence. Uh, now, if somebody came to Tim Cook and for him to say is very interesting or that's something we're looking into, that's just uh, a nice speak for. Man, I ain't thinking about none of that. If, if we do do something, it'll happen. We'll let you know. <laughs> That's pretty much what they want to say. And, you know, I'm, of course, not say it like that, but it, I think it's OK for uh, companies to say, yeah, we really don't know about crypto right now. You know, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of possibilities. It's got it's in its infancy. It's got a lot of different ways it can go. Uh, we're going to sit on the fence. And when we see something that's advantageous, that benefits the consumers, that benefits the services or whatever, then we'll look into it. But right now we ain't checking for it. I mean, you know, just say that, you know, for them to go through all the, yeah, you know, we're looking into it. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> but I just think it's very interesting that he even brought up the conversation. So mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, it's but very... so on the, on the flip side, you know, Tim Cook has been very open, more so than his predecessor, more so than, you know, most other executives, you know, at Apple. So, you know, I, he could literally be like, you know, we may try something, but I don't think they mm -hmm. have their idea for implementation right now, because you see a lot mm -hmm. of companies are, you know, tripping over themselves to make sure that people know that, yeah, we're hip, we're cool, we're in crypto too, but none of it is really practical, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said um, earlier in the pre-show, I have been going, I've been going to um, Afrotech uh, conference this week, and one of the sessions was with Coinbase. Um, and it did give me a bit of an insight into, you know, cryptocurrency NFTs because they had two developers, um, that are heavily in the space who apparently there are some special um, master's program for crypto that all of the crypto people kind of, if you have this, you're kind of like leading edge, cutting edge and is verified through the blockchain or something like that. So it's definitely one of those things where um, it, it's it's going to be, to me, kind of like the whole dot-com uh, situation where if you got in on dot-com early, if you got in on Apple early, if you got in on Microsoft early, you know, because it is so new um, that right now everybody's kind of a little bit skeptical of it, but the people who are going to make the most money from it and the most benefit from it are likely the early adopters if this goes along the trajectory that they think they are. But again, 
with these type of things, you never really know how they're going to flesh out until, you know, you get there. So it's, it's interesting. See, the space is very interesting. I've started following some people just to kind of get a better idea of, of, of what their thoughts are and kind of what the space is looking like. So it only makes sense that, um, you know, it's on Tim Cook's mind. Right. All right. Moving on to the next topic. We've talked a lot about um, USB-C hubs over the last few episodes as we both uh, got the new M1 uh, Pro MacBooks and how in order to use these new um, devices, you need to have some additional equipment. Um, I currently have an Anchor one, but one of the things that I don't like about it, it needs an additional power supply. Um, and it's just more cords that really annoy me and it just makes my desk look kind of messy. And I was telling Terrence before we came on the show that I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm out of my element because all these cords over, have to unplug my stuff from my mini to plug it into this hub. And it's just a lot, but, um, I guess it's pronounced Satachi's. I call it Sateki. Sateki. Okay. We'll go with Sateki. Um, they have a new Pro Hub Mini, and it brings more ports to the new MacBook Pro. It normally costs about seventy bucks, but right now you can get it for twenty five percent off by entering Pro Hub um, when you get ready to check out. So a little bit of specs on this hub. Um, the one because uh, Terrence and I were talking about this earlier in the week, um, and he sent me one of the Satechi's version, the one that he has, and I was going to order that. I never got around to it because the week kind of got away from me. And then I saw this, this one is a little bit more streamlined, but, um, some of the, uh, the specs are, it has one USB-C, um, uh, port, uh, with 96 watt charging, uh, 6K 60 hertz display output and 40 uh, gigabits of transfer data. It has two USB-A data ports with up to five gigabits and it has one gigabit ethernet port, one USB-C data port and one audio jack port. Now with this, with this um, hub, it does take up two of your USB-C ports when you plug it in, but you pretty much get that on the back end with the ports that are actually inside the hub as well. So I'm thinking I may order that one because I don't like having to have an additional charging um, cord on the anchor one that I have. So just wanted to kind of bring that up to folks as everybody's trying to figure out, uh, you know, if they have a new MacBook Pro on the way, or if they are, you know, looking for some better hubs, as we talked about the issues that people were having last week with their USB-C hubs. Right. Uh, so the one I real a little inside baseball. The reason why I selected the one that I sent to Nika is because one, like like you mentioned, it doesn't take up two USB-C ports. Um, but the one that Nika selected, um, looks like it's a part of the MacBook versus the one that I have kind of jettisons off to the side with an extra cable. And then you have to, then it has the hub and then you plug the connections to the hub 
versus the one Nika has kind of looks resembles more of a dock. You're actually docking mm-hmm. your MacBook on the side of this hub and then the connections, the peripherals connect into that. The only thing that I like about the one that I suggested is if you need it for another type of computer, if you need it for uh, another laptop that has one USB port, if you need it for, you know, uh, um, if you buy a desktop that has USB-C ports, you can kind of use this one with no matter what um, MacBook you have versus um, this one, you're kind of committed to the MacBook Pro because it form fits to the side of the MacBook. But if you don't have other computers, if you don't plan on using it for anything other than this MacBook, this is probably the better bet. Yeah, I'm showing it on the screen and you can see how flush it is against the side. And it does come in the silver and the space gray. So it does look like it, it fits. Right. All right. Um, the final thing that we have uh, this week in the lowdown, y'all have finally spoke this into existence. You be on Twitter. I can't believe this app is free. Oh my God, it's so great. I can't believe it's free. Well, it's no longer free in certain circumstances. So Twitter has launched what they're calling Twitter Blue. It initially uh, was a pilot program in Australia and Canada back in June for iOS users only. It has now expanded to the U.S. and New Zealand on Tuesday, which was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, So a little bit uh, of what goes into this new Twitter Blue. It's $2.99 per month, so not bad. Um, It gives you the undo tweet feature that everybody has been clamoring for, which is essentially kind of like your edit type tweet. So what this feature does is it allows you to preview the tweet Mm -hmm. before you post it to your timeline. Mm -hmm. So you type it up, it pops up, and you get to see it before it goes. Now, this allows you to the post to be either edited or deleted before those changes are actually pushed to your timeline. Mm-hmm. But you only have a minute window, so mm-hmm. you're going to have to speed read again to make sure that you don't have your uh, errors, your typos, or it gives you, if you are got the Twitter fingers going, and you're like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't post that. Because mm-hmm. we know now with the new Twitter delete feature, it says tweet deleted, but you still see the tweet. So um, so that's one of the features that come with Twitter Blue. The other one is ad-free news articles. So this allows iOS and desktop users to access ad-free content when going to certain news sites. This is a part of a, um, a company that uh, Twitter acquired that brings this type of tech into play. Um, the third big thing that comes with Twitter Blue is app cups customization. So it allows you to customize app icons, themes, and bookmark folders. And I think that's something that people have been asking for because right now when you bookmark something, it just lists all the bookmarks. So this gives you the opportunity to create folders for um, the different bookmarks that you have. Also, the custom navigation allows you to customize what appears in the navigational bar. I'm assuming at the very bottom of your Twitter screen, how you want the things you can, you know, 
pull up Twitter because I, yeah, so the different, um, going home, the search, your DMs and notifications, I'm assuming it gives you some sort of uh, ability to customize what you put at the bottom of the screen. Also, it gives you early access to new features. Um, and the new feature that has just rolled out, um, that if you are a Twitter blue user, it is giving longer video uploads on your desktop and the ability to pin DM conversations in uh, iOS. So you can subscribe to Twitter Blue in the uh, as an in-app purchase in the app or through um, Twitter's desktop client. If you go click on your face, uh, it brings up the little uh, menu on the side and you will see Twitter Blue uh, right there in the middle of your items, profiles, list, bookmarks, topics, bookmarks, and then Twitter Blue. You click on Twitter Blue and it asks you to, there's a subscribe button at the bottom. You click subscribe and you are in Twitter Blue for $2.99 a month. Are you going to subscribe to Twitter Blue? Uh, probably because I understand the importance, not understand, I can see the need for uh, the ability to undo a tweet because I am big on formatting. So if I post a link uh, specifically, you, you know, uh, I'll give you a perfect use case. When uh, we finish recording the show and we cut up some YouTube clips to put on YouTube, you know, I also want to put those in Twitter. And depending on what device I use, depending on whether it's web website or desktop or actually in-app or using a third-party app like a third-party schedule like Hootsuite, the formatting is different based mm -hmm. on which one of those formats and services that I use. So I may be on my phone putting a tweet together and click send. And I'm like, well, why isn't it showing the video or why doesn't it look this way? And then I have to go and go, oh, yeah, it does do it differently if I do it on my desktop. So mm -hmm. the ability to be able to post a tweet, preview it, make sure it's formatted correctly, make sure it does exactly what I want to do before it actually goes out. That will be a benefit. Um, I also get the benefit of people wanting to undo a tweet, not because they stepped in it, they did a hot take that didn't go the way they planned, but more or less um, uh, misspellings and pronunciation and not pronunciation because it's a, a, a tweet, but uh, make sure, uh, you know, nothing spelled incorrectly, you know, things like that make sure it looks the way I want it to look. So I get the, the benefit of that. Uh, but ultimately, I... It's about time that a major social media platform finally started charging users to use their service because I think a lot of people have gotten too used to social media being free. And as a result, they don't understand that Twitter isn't free, you know, and even Facebook and social media, you know, Instagram, because the way that they Twitter in this case, getting their money's worth is advertising. I would much rather pay a dollar, two dollars, in this case, three dollars a month in order for my Twitter feed to be my Twitter feed. And it's not and it's not inundated with algorithms, with advertising, with promoted tweets, because that's how Twitter makes their money. I much rather them, I much rather pay for a service that I use versus use a service for free. 
and then have that service figure out how they're going to get paid, which cheapens, in my opinion, cheapens the experience that I'm using. So I'd much rather pay to get the experience I want versus getting an experience because it's free, if that makes sense. So on the on the small yeah, it, on the small scale, I can see the value of what they're charging for. But ultimately, I would prefer all of the social media services charge in order to give me the experience that I'm actually looking forward to. I have to say Instagram is the worst with this latest update because one, it's always these promoted tweets and the latest thing that they're doing, they they weave in other people's accounts with their feed. You're like, who is this person? I don't follow them, but it's suggested accounts based on other people you follow. And I'm like, I don't know who this is. I don't yep. want this. And it's yep. just like, I just spend time constantly saying, not interested, not interested. I don't mm -hmm. care who this person is. If I want to follow them, I would, and I don't want to. So I'm not. So um, I definitely think it is a use case. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how people can go over or the discourse on the conversation because people oh, are folks I, I, I like it. I got it free. Yeah. Right. Until they get it and they get over there and they see how much better their Twitter experience is and they're like, oh, I should. Well, do this we should. We shall see. The jury's out, right? Yeah. Because yeah. exactly don't what know. you just said. People are so used to Twitter being free that, you know, any sort of charge is going to feel like, you know, um, it's not what they're used to. It's not what they're getting. I'm used to Twitter being free and I'm not paying for it when y'all been giving it away for free for so long. You know, I don't think people are even going to bother. So it'll be interesting to see how powerful or how feature packed. Twitter can make paid Twitter <laughs> mm -hmm. in order for to pull people over because I think a lot of people are just used to Twitter being free and they'll just deal with uh, all the little gripes that we've had because mm -hmm. it's free. You know, free. Uh, now if Twitter really wants to pull people over, just these couple of features ain't gonna cut it. You know, they're gonna have to do a whole. They're gonna have to promote to say, hey, get your timeline back. You know, less algorithms, mm -hmm. less ads. Less this, more that, you know, before people move over. Yeah. But this is definitely a good start. Yeah. And I, I ultimately think people will, will shift gears. And unfortunately, I think Twitter will find a way to, to capitalize off that once people start moving over. Because at the end of the day, even though it is $2.99 a month, I don't think that's nearly enough from probably what they're making from advertisers. So, you know, I don't yeah. know. We'll see. All right. Um, so, yeah, so I had two yeah, more stories real yep, quick I that I want to talk about. And just me griping because people are griping. <laughs> so this is my my gripe session, right? So uh, Nick has already talked about the new M1 MacBook Pros and all the features that they came with, one of which was bringing back the MagSafe port that uh, previous Macs used to charge the MacBook. Now, here's where people get on my nerves. <laughs> They're now complaining about the new MagSafe charger because it is too good. And what I mean by that is this new MagSafe, it is sturdy. It is harder to release the MagSafe than the previous generation if you're just pulling it straight out. If you grabbed the port, the MagSafe port from these new MacBooks, 
and try to yank on it, it's going to drag your whole MacBook over, which I can see being an issue. Now, the trick is to tug at it at an angle and it releases just like the old MagSafe, but that ain't good enough mm-hmm. for people. So this uh, story in Cultimac, people are complaining that the MagSafe safe charger is too secure in the sense that, like I mentioned, when you pull on it, um, it comes with your MagSafe. Uh, according to these people who are complaining, the whole the allure- too strong. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole allure to the original MagSafe was to where um, if I need to quickly detach the MagSafe, it could quickly detach without disturbing anything um, or without damaging your MacBook. So, you know, again, uh, they went away from MagSafe altogether. Now they're bringing it back again. Like I said, just people uh, can't be, <laughs> can't, can't be. They can't happy. be happy. Right. And it, it, and it, again, the tip it, the, the trick to the new MagSafe uh, port is you have to pull at it from an angle and it releases just like before to where now if you pull on it, you know, your MacBook maybe get pulled over to the side or whatever. So again, you know, again, my tip is <laughs> don't tug on it so hard and two, tug at it an an- at an angle and it works just like the old MacBook. I just, I just thought that was crazy that people were upset <laughs> that Apple pulled the MagSafe away and they complained and complained and complained and then Apple put the MagSafe back and now they're complaining some more. So <laughs> I just wanted to- It's just one of those things where you can't- you can't, you literally, this shows you literally cannot satisfy people. They complain and, because it went away. Then uh, when it came back, they're still complaining. So, right. you know, and really how much more time is it taking you to disconnect this magnetic charge um, charger than it was previously? I mean, right. really, how right. much more time is this taking from your life? Right. Not very much. Yeah. Uh, so then the, the second one, uh, that I'm griping about is Apple has to or has acquiesced and decided to offer zero percent financing simply because people can't read. <laughs> so let me explain. When you make a purchase using your Apple card, most, if not all, of the purchases made on Apple products at Apple would qualify for 0% financing. Obviously people can't read and they took that as any Apple product that I buy qualifies for 0% financing. No, you had to, in reality, you had to purchase it from Apple. So when a new iPhone released or a new MacBook or whatever, if you purchased it from Apple, with the Apple card that gave you the zero percent financing, that gave you the ability to do the monthly installments to where you know all those things, right? Mm-hmm. But people were if you buy it at Target with their Apple card and assumed that they were getting zero uh, percent financing, that wasn't the case. People complained, got upset, and Apple finally said, "Sure, okay, whatever." So now their quote is: "We understand that some customers expected to perceive." to receive 0% APR financing automatically when purchasing Apple products with their Apple card. 
If you expected to receive 0% financing with Apple Card monthly installments when purchasing an Apple product from either Apple or an Apple uh, authorized reseller, but you did not, we can help. So basically what they're saying is, like Nika said, if you purchase an iPhone with your Apple Card from Target, uh, I guess we'll give you 0% financing. So just, just be careful out there. I mean... I don't understand why that didn't make sense. What in what world? It made sense. People are just not reading and then they cry about it because they didn't do their due diligence. Yeah, so th- that's all. I I'm, I I'm, I wanted to make them real quick because that was just me griping us cuz come <laughs> on man, stop complaining. It's not just an Apple thing. I'm not getting upset that people are complaining at Apple because it's Apple. I'm just upset that people just people complain. don't read and comprehend <laughs> so that's so those are my two store additional stories for apple cool <laughs> all right uh that wraps up the lowdown the lowdown let's head on over to second string honestly it wasn't a whole lot uh going on in other tech this week i kind of had to pull these kind of out of uh out of a hat. Um, so the first thing on deck, uh, talking more about Meta, formerly known as Facebook, Microsoft has partnered with Meta to integrate Teams into face into its Facebook-like workplace. So what this means is Workplace by Meta, as it's now been rebranded, it's going to integrate directly into Microsoft Teams. Um, so this allows uh, a live stream video into workplace groups. I think the the integration of 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 the the live stream type video calling type of thing, I think that's going to come into December, but now sorry I had to sneeze. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, employees who use Teams or workplace they can now view, comment, and react to meetings in real time without having to switch between apps. So if you're in Teams, you can interact with something in Workspace without having to leave Teams and go into Workplace and vice versa. So basically, they are bringing this concept, this Facebook Workplace world directly into Teams so you don't have to technically go between the two apps. You can be in one and it still works the same. So this enables and allows Teams users to access uh, the content that they have in Workplace within Teams. So again, it's consolidating both of these things into one. So if you're in Teams, you don't have to leave Teams to go and get, I guess, any shared documents or any meeting content. Uh, You can do your meetings through teams with the workplace groups at the same time. Uh, uh, yeah. And the other thing is uh, Microsoft Teams is going to come to the meta portal, which is the Facebook portal uh, in December. And this is going to allow people to do the video calling, but it'll be inside teams. I guess. Uh, are people really yeah, using workplace like that? I don't even know people really checking for a workplace like that. But I guess if Microsoft, I guess. Microsoft wants to make sure that they are on the 
uh, ground floor as it relates to this meta verse spearheaded by meta the company then i i guess i guess uh, I didn't know and this so was, this goes I, lives today so today being wednesday uh november 10th the teams and workplace integration is now live so if you use both workplace and teams uh i guess if you care uh, have at it hmm? yeah i don't care <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah i uh uh, and I'm just barely getting used to Teams because we have to use it, and I'm not a huge fan. Um, so, yeah, I don't care. Mm. But pe- for people who do, I'm assuming that apparently people do care because they've gone through this extra trouble to do this whole integration. Or it could just be a partnership type. I want to make sure I'm on the next wave type of thing, <sighs> I guess. Mm. All right. Uh, the next story in second string. Um, so uh, the UK Supreme Court rules in favor of Google in the iPhone tracking case. So I guess this technically could have gone into second string, but it's about Google. So I mean, into lowdown, but it's about Google technically. So I put it in second string. So um, the UK Supreme Court has ruled that um, it cannot allow a US style class action suit to be lobbied against Google after it apparently deliberately created a workaround as a way to track Safari users. So there's this group called Google You Owe Us. Um, They tried to bring this U.S. type class action lawsuit against Google, um, saying again that Google illegally collected um, data Um, from iPhone users between June 2011 and February 2012. And they're saying that this illegal collection of data violated um, UK law. Now, according to this article, class action lawsuits aren't even a thing in the UK. You can do like a large group um, lawsuit, but not a class action. They don't they don't do this in the UK. They don't have this in the UK, which appears to be the whole premise as to why this didn't work because it's not something that they do in the UK. So the Supreme Court rejected it, um, saying that, and the Supreme Court in the US rejected this, saying that um, the the set figure, which they're saying was around $1,000 USD, around 750 in pounds per user, was not fair redress, meaning that what they're trying to sue about doesn't actually cause any real Enough. world harm Enough or mental harm. distress. So the Google tracking, creating this workaround to track these Safari users, it it's not enough to say that this lawsuit is even valid. The The data that was collected was not sufficient to cause any type of harm or mental distress. So that's the primary reason why this was thrown out, in addition to the fact that the UK doesn't have class action lawsuits. Right. So, you know, I guess congrats to them for fighting this as hard as they fought it. Um, maybe a little bit of disservice in the sense that if I would assume or the lawyer 
would have let them know that said, hey, uh, you can fight this if you want to, but uh, it's not going to work simply because of the fact that the UK doesn't do class action lawsuits like the United States. So I, I'm hoping that the lawyer gave them that information and the people said, we want to continue with it, which I'm pretty sure most lawyers be like, all right, sure. If y'all I'll take your money. Right. <laughs> I gave you, you the facts. I told you that this isn't going to go in your way. And if you want to go, I will take your money. Right. Right. And, you know, um, well, just that this just that fact, because I don't think they would have known ahead of time. Uh, the amount of damage Google would have had to done uh, to people in this harm, I guess, quote unquote, to make this a legit case. I don't think they would have known that ahead of time. But the fact that they would have known that that's not how we do it over here in the UK, I think that would have been enough to them to say, OK, well, let's try it another way. Maybe they mm-hmm. tried to do this just to get it in the court of public opinion so people could um sympathize with their plight or with their struggle or what they were trying to accomplish. And maybe that would have gave them some brownie points, but I guess we'll see that remains to be seen. But in the court of the actual court of law, uh, you know, I think they got, (laughs) they, they got kicked out on this one. (laughs) Yeah. They pretty much got smacked down. And according to this article from Engadget, it affected around 5.4 million iPhone users in the UK. I think the UK population is like maybe 70 million mm-hmm. or something like that. So it seems to be a super small, you know, part of the population. It doesn't even seem like it was all iPhone users. It was just, I guess, a specific block of iPhone users. In any event, they were like, nope, this doesn't meet any of our requirements for a lawsuit. So we're going to kick it out. Now, I don't know if this group is going to come back and try it a different angle. It doesn't say, but for, you know, where it is now, Google won. Right. And they said that they were, this Richard Lloyd, I guess, who is a spearhead for this. um, He said that he was, quote, bitterly disappointed. And that the court, quote, failed to do enough to protect the public from Google and other big tech firms who break the law. So I think this guy may just have a gripe with quote unquote big tech. Yeah. And he's just saying that because the UK is heavy handed when it comes to protecting their users, privacy, their users, data, the whole uh, GDPR thing as a result came from a UK ruling to where their users at any time from any company can say, Hey, I want to download all of my data. And furthermore, I want you to delete any data you have of me. They can do that and send that request and their companies have to comply, which again, across the pond, that led to a lot of newsletters, a lot of people having to uh, people, companies, corporations, businesses having to explicitly say, we're going to use your data for X, Y, and Z. You clicking agree means that we can do this when before that wasn't even the case. So for him yeah. to say, you know, the UK uh, let him let the folks down, probably, you know, you're stretching it to, you know, yeah. <laughs> make people feel uh, uh, sympathetic to your struggle. <laughs> yeah. I think he thought he could get an easy win in the UK with this. And they were like, nah. All right. So that wraps up Second String. We're going to head on into For the Culture, where we talk anything culturally relevant that we want to talk about. So there were a lot of things that went on 
in um, the social media streets and in the culturally related streets, a lot of it was pretty heavy. And so I said, you know what? Let's not go heavy this week. Let's keep it a little bit light. So in this week's For the Culture, grand opening, grand closing. Is Jay-Z doing social media right? So we all know that Jay-Z is very much kind of off the the digital Kinda. space. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> he has he has a Twitter account. Um, he doesn't follow anybody. Um, he's made seven tweets this year to date. Three of them happened uh, the end of October. Uh, two of them happened uh, the October, and he was just thanking folks uh, for his rock and roll um, Hall of Fame induction. Uh-huh. And the other three were when uh, title was sold to Twitter. And these five posts, so the two about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the three about Title, were seven months apart. The mm-hmm. Title stuff was in March, and mm-hmm. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame stuff was in October. And um, he did uh, a Twitter Spaces for The Heart of They Fall, which is the movie that he is one of the producers for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that leads us to Instagram. He didn't have an Instagram account, never had an Instagram account. He created an Instagram account. What ultimately I saw it on Twitter and I text my friends because they're all huge Jay-Z. I'm like, oh my God, Jay's on Instagram. We're like, oh my God, let's go follow him. And he had that account for less than 24 hours. He posted one uh, Instagram post and it was for promotion for the movie, The Heart of They Fall. Uh-huh. It was an image of the, um, the promo thing, uh-huh. you know, that people put out. Uh-huh. He made the one post, he followed no one, and he and um, the only follower that um, he Beyonce doesn't follow anybody either. Right. And the only person she followed was his account. Uh-huh. Um, so my question is, does Jay-Z have the right idea about doing social media, especially because he is so famous and especially because he is so wealthy? And, you know, kind of alluding to some of the other social media things that went on this weekend with Kanye West, with Travis Scott, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. being uber famous and uh, very wealthy. Um, I think Jay-Z probably has the right idea when it comes to social media. Uh, he is doing social media wrong <laughs> if he wasn't Jay-Z. <laughs> Since he is Jay-Z, my hat goes off to him because with all the benefits, all the positives, and all the negatives of social media, I wish I wasn't so attached to it. Um, just by the things that I do, just by the, the message that I want to convey, just by the things that I want to promote. Twitter, social media, Facebook, Instagram, you know, there's no way to get around it. Um, I wish I had a choice. (laughs) Yeah, that luxury. (laughs) If I could go back in time, 2008, I want to say, when I really jumped on this, I wasn't a MySpace person. I wasn't a Black Planet person. I didn't do MySpace either. Um, My introduction to social media was through blogging, right? This is back in 2008 when I actually started the Brother Tech website. If I could go back in time to my old self and be like, hey, man, leave Twitter and Facebook and them alone. 
I would do so. Um, because again, you know, again, for all the benefits, for all the positives, bringing all, you know, all types of people I would never have met, you know, never would associate it with, you know, uh, social media can be a drain and especially, and I'm just regular old me. Mm-hmm. I can only, I can only imagine the things, how, how that could affect you if you are somebody of relevance, of influence, of importance, like a Jay-Z. I mean, proof, 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 and, you know, proof, just, just for example, that whole thing, if you could, uh, if, if you could get $500,000 for a dinner with Jay-Z, which one would you take? And everybody in your mama's got a side and an opinion, except the fact nobody even considered, would Jay-Z even want to have dinner with y'all? <laughs> he answered that in the Twitter spaces. Someone asked him. Oh, did they? And he said, and he said take the 500000 Right, right. So all that to say, the fact that people have these conversations, have these strong opinions about a Jay-Z, for example, I can imagine being Jay-Z and going on social media and having to- Imagine his direct messages. Right, right. He's just decided- He's just decided, I don't want to deal with it. And hats off to him for deciding not to deal with it. You know, because uh, you can see how let's take Will Will Smith and Jada Pinkett oh, Smith. Gosh. You know, they he's Please promoting stop this talking new, about your relationship, right? He's he's promoting this new book, and in this new book, you know, he's talking about all the you know the things that people talk about when they're selling a book. Mm-hmm. But all people can talk about and all people can respond to is his relationship, whether with him and his wife, you know. Um, you know, all the things, other right? women, all that right, stuff. Yeah. Right. All the stuff, you know, and that conversation is happening with or without him, you know, and the fact that Will Smith is on social media, it just amplifies it because anytime he puts a tweet or a post, regardless of what it could be, he could get on, wake up, get on Instagram and say, good morning. And the comments are going to be, uh, August what Alcina, you? What or Jada. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all those things. And he could be like, all, all I said is good morning. You know, so I can imagine how, you know, that social media effect has on people. And again, to be able to choose, to be privileged enough to choose whether or not you want to be on social media, that's a that's something that I don't think JC should take lightly. And he uh, is not because he is just getting on here, say his little piece, and he and deletes, not logs off. He deletes the account. He deactivated his <laughs> account. And I was looking back on his Twitter feed. And so, like I said, he his first post was in March of 2021 for this year. And he's only made a total of uh, five, I think, posts, mm-hmm. I said. Um, and those are seven months apart. Before his tweets for this year, his last tweet was in 2018. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's just like, I don't want to do this. So he could be one of those people that kind of scrolls and kind of see what's going on the timeline, but never post. He could be that. But on the Instagram front, he not he wasn't even on there. And, and I so, don't think he's on. I don't think he's on 
uh, since he does have a Twitter account. I don't think he's a scroller either. I think he dude is doing whatever he does. And if he, he feels probably like has he somebody sh- to post that stuff, he probably said, go post this Hall of Fame message. Thank you. Um, Maybe not. I think he's genuine. I would like to. Well, I would like to believe he is genuine enough to where if I'm going to say something, it's going to be from my mouth or my fingers. Now, I could be mm-hmm. totally wrong. But the fact that he's only doing these very, 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 very sparse uh, uh, messages or communications leads me to believe that he's like, all right, I got something to say, blah, 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 and then shuts the app and then goes about his business. At least I want to believe that. I hope he's not a scroller because, again, if you're going to be on social media, I would much rather you be on social media versus only being on there to read what people have to say about you. You know, I'm and that, would, that would take a huge amount of restraint to see right. what people post about him to not respond. No, uh, I, I'm pretty sure people tell him. I'm pretty sure he's got people in. Oh circle. yeah, he knows about the fight. He knows. He knows about all the stuff. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Beyonce has like a burner Twitter account because she knows <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> she don't. She doesn't. You know, post stuff either mm-hmm. unless it's something specifically related to something that she's promoting or working on. Mm-hmm. But I think she has a burner account because yeah, and I think in the know. And I think people, you know, uh, feel like they should have access to these celebrities because there are celebrities influence in, you know influential people entertainers that are uh for good or for bad for positive or for negative providing that access but the problem is when you provide that access it's hard to pull it back you know, it's hard to, it, it, you know, it's hard for people Put to say. Put the toothpaste back in the tooth in the tube is right. You can't. It's hard. I, I, I think it's. I I think you are being. You're you're doing yourself and people a disservice when you say, "Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me." And then when something happens, I want people to respect my privacy. And well, which one is? Don't it? look at me. Yeah. <laughs> which one is it? You know, I yeah. think people should. It's okay, like we said in the pre-show. Uh, it is okay to be selfish. It is okay to be like, no, I am an entertainer. I'm a celebrity, but also I don't want people to have access to me all the time. I think it's okay. You know, yeah. you're getting you muddy the waters when you try to tiptoe because social media is hard to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I wish some people would go away from social yeah, right. media. They need a break because yeah. you're doing a whole lot. Right. A whole lot. All right, that's it for For the Culture. Let's head on over to the hookup. And it looks like you have something for us this week, Brother Tech. Yeah, so um, I've been trying to figure out how to better equip my quote-unquote studio, (laughs) my (laughs) podcasting studio, because we are doing a little bit more. uh, We're doing video, you know, we're doing other things. And, you know... um, I'm starting to finally buy into the idea that lighting is important. So before I had just regular old lamp and then I've got whatever lights that come on in the room, I've decided to step up my game a little bit and I purchased two of these Loom Cube Edge lights. So I put it, well, we put a link in the show notes. Uh, it's Amazon. I think it's like $119. Uh, for these lights, but the thing I like about them is they are adjustable brightness. So not only can you go up and down on the the brightness and these things are bright. 
Um, you can also change the color temperature. You can change it from just bright to kind of like a warm tint and then adjust, you know, based on your situation. I ended up buying two because I have, uh, I wear glasses. So when I look up in the camera, I didn't want to look, have a glare of the, my camera, the light right into my mm -hmm. glasses. So I bought two that goes on the different sides. So when I'm looking up, you know, you just don't see the glare. So, um, but so far so good. They clamp onto the edge of my desk to where they don't move. They adjust in multiple different ways. The only thing that the only gripe I have about them is the um, controls are a little harder to see. I wish they would have put the controls in one position um, for easier access because depending on how you adjust the lights, the actual controls can be a little bit harder to reach. So that'd be my only gripe about them. But as far as the brightness, as far as the temperature, temperature controls, the all the different ways you can actually move them, I would definitely, mm -hmm. definitely suggest them. So again, it's called the Loom Cube Edge Light. I think nice. Loom, yeah, Loom makes a bunch of different products for people trying to get into video, get into lighting. These are um, uh, specific to people that need something more stationary. So yeah, that's my tip. All right. That is it for this week. That is our show for the week. Definitely download, rate, and view us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Definitely hit us up on social media. We're at Snobblewestcast everywhere. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also head on over to YouTube where you can watch our shows as well. We're at Snobblewestcast. Make sure to hit the like and subscribe button to our channel. Also, you can feel free to leave us any comments or suggestions on our website, snobwestcast.com, or via email, snobwestcast at gmail.com. You can also join our Discord chat community. You can head on over to our website for that link as well. You can also financially support our show through Patreon by going to patreon.com slash snobwestcast. And we have two tiers. We have a $3 a month tier, which gives you access to our live show early in access to exclusive content our five dollar a month tier gives you access to exclusive content access to live show taping um, access to our audio feed for exclusive content and you get that early and it also gives you special access to our snobbish channel inside of our chat community you can also drop us a one-time love offering via paypal by going over to paypal.me slash and that's our show for this week we will see you next week have a good one peace bye everybody